What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. Hello and welcome to Please Watch This, a podcast where two film movie mates with gaps in their viewing history uh, recommend films to one another so can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? I'm Sam Blakely, as always. I'm always Sam Blakely, and as always, I'm joined by Hugh Dempsey. Hugh, how are you? Hello, Sam. I am always Hugh Dempsey. Yes, I'm alright, thank you. How are you? I'm bloody fantastic. It's Christmas! It's Christmas. That's good. Good slow impression. Are you uh, are you a Thanks. festive person? Are you a Christmas person? I am. Yeah, generally. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say I'm a Christmas person. I'm not one of these people who's bar humbug and don't like Christmas. I yeah, I always get in the festive spirit. I've never. I don't get why. I get why some people find it overly commercial, but I'm. I'm not somebody who's a miser or you know a Scrooge around Christmas. I tend to. I tend to enjoy it for what it is, which is uh, a season to be good to all men and spend time with your family. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, yeah, it's easy to be cynical about these things. Uh, but especially now I've got a, you know, nearly three-year-old daughter as well. That's adding a certain excitement to it. And we had the tree up in November and yeah, Christmas, t- it's Christmas time. I'll be honest though, I'm not one for decorations because I live on my own. So there's just no there's no need to decorate when it's when it's on your own. It's That's more, fair. Yeah, I've been at home know. on my own for the last week and I haven't put the Christmas tree lights on once. <laughs> it just, just hasn't occurred to me at all. To be fair though, if I did decorate, I would have it all on and up and everything. But it's more... See, I'm not... I'm not like overly sentimental about Christmas. I'm more of a... I get that it's a good thing and I enjoy it. And I accept that it's more for children than anything else. And... Um, so when I have little ones of my own, I'll, you know, decorate the house to within an inch of its life, probably. Yeah. And it's a bit more, more what, what it does to people. It's like summertime. It just makes people happier, so you're sort of happier. And it's, it's yeah. a really good time. And I think, getting into this week's film, this film makes me feel so festive, so Christmassy. I was watching it yesterday, wrapping my presents, and, you know, just <laughs> it, it, with, a, with a glass of Baileys. And it just felt like, I felt like a Christmas child again. Nice. That's what that's what uh, you know. Movies should do at this time of year. They should make you feel all warm and fuzzy and sentimental, and yeah. nostalgic inside. I think they certainly should. Yeah. And you know, for our new listeners, um, the the conceit of this show is that one of us has seen a film and we recommend it to the other person who hasn't seen it before. So Hugh, obviously, it's a wonderful life hasn't been one of your Christmas staples. This is your first time watching it. It's my Christmas staple, along with. I don't know what else is in my Christmas staple. It used to be Bernard and the Genie, <laughs> which I haven't thought about for about 20 years. Have you seen Bernard and I've the Genie? I've never even heard of it. It's um, In my memory, it's Lenny Henry plays a genie. Alan Cum- I think it's Alan Cummings plays a guy who, uh, you know, gets wishes from this genie, but it's sort of... Yeah. No, I, I feel like I've made this film up, but I must. we saw it 20 times going up and it's all there in my head. Was it one of those that was on, like, video, basically, that your mum bought you and... You would just, she found it at a charity shop and be like, this will do. <laughs> it, it may be, yeah, we just watched it a lot. Joe's probably listening, Joe, get in touch. Listeners, feel free to get in touch as well if you know that Bernard and the Genie is a film. But yeah, this, I mean, oh, it's a wonderful life. Bernard and the Genie. Bernard and the Genie, yeah, sorry, I got a bit of a cold. Um, it's a wonderful life really is the the one no, non-negotiable film for Christmas oh, no, for me. It's got Rowan Atkinson in it and everything. Bernard and the Genie, yeah, Alan Cummings, yeah, right, 1991. Yeah. According to the interwebs, yeah. And so, what, yeah. what would be your Christmas staples? Never seen it. Um, oh, that's a good question. I don't really have film staples at Christmas. 
Like, obviously, I've seen... I think I, I like anything like a Christmas Carol stuff. That's always good. I quite like the uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. That's I was going to say, film. yeah, have you got a favourite favorite edition? So it's the Muppets for you. Yeah, I like the, the Muppets just because it's a bit of fun. Uh, I also like the um, Patrick Stewart one from, I think, about 99. If it's a bit more grown-up version of it, you know, it's well, not like... It's really good. Uh, what else do I like? Uh, Die Hard, obviously the classic Christmas obviously, film yeah, that, that is. Yeah. Uh, Home Alone, maybe? No, not so much. I, I appreciate Home Alone, but I think I watched it quite a lot as a kid, and it's one of those that I'm, I'm a bit over it, I think, to be honest. Yeah, I don't feel like I need to watch it every year. I think I watched it last year, and it feels like that was not long ago. Yeah. Uh, what other films do I like around Christmas? Uh, a lot oh, of my gosh. a lot of my students it's interesting actually my students favorites Polar Express is huge with 17 year olds in my my town yeah well it would have come out around the time they were little kids wouldn't it i suppose yeah and and yet to us it's it's a bit of a blip it's not that good it's probably tom hanks least good film well this um, is well do you know the thing with polar express that it's tom hanks plays every character pretty yeah, much yeah i saw that and i think corridor crew uh, covered that um, yeah that's where i saw it as well that was before animation got it understood where it needed to look cartoonish and where it needed to look realistic. They were, you know, it wasn't that long after Toy Story 1 where they were horrific. Uh, what was it, 2003, 2004, Polar Express? I think something like yeah, that. 2004, I'm tempted to say, but I could yeah, be wrong on that. in that kind I'm of not. area. So it was, we, we were firmly in the uncanny valley, horrific, awful. Yeah. It's a fine like. film, I don't mind it. I've, I think I've only seen it the once, though. Yeah, me um, too. I, but I don't what else do I watch it? I don't really um, have anything I watch every year. Do you watch Christmas. Elf? Is Elf a favourite for you? I, I don't mind it. I wouldn't be... That seems to be other people's favourite Christmas yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. I only watched so, it once for the first time last year, I think. Really? Yeah. I, I saw it a couple of years after it came out. Yeah, I'm more... I'm, you know, at Christmas, I'm more music... I, I, I yeah. want to listen to Christmas songs at Christmas. I'm not overly keen on always watching the same films, but... Yeah, there's a few that pop up. Um, it's interesting now with the charts, because they, obviously, in the last few years have... have counted streaming um, towards the charts and the, the charts have just been filled with Mariah Carey and Wham and all of those absolute anthems yeah. uh, that everyone gets sick of in you know people who work in retail just yeah. <laughs> clawing their ears out <laughs> yeah it's always nice when you hear it for the first time in like the first second or third of December but then by like the 24th you're like oh my god I'm just sick of this song by now and you just want it to you want it to be you can't wait for the uh, boxing day you know <laughs> when we start um, playing just normal heavy metal music again or whatever yeah, it is <laughs> people yeah. listen to these days with their yeah. rapular music <laughs> <They're> ra- slapping <laughs> themselves with heroin and whatnot. okay boomer <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, honestly I don't seem to have like films that I always watch every Christmas which is a bit strange for such a film fan but um, I always like to watch new films at Christmas I guess you know stuff that you don't see because that's also a good period where they you know traditionally the the uh, TV stations used to put on brand new films every year that you you know if you didn't get to, when you were a kid if you didn't ta- get taken to the cinema to see it you weren't going to watch it so I see yeah. yeah I always quite enjoyed that aspect of cinema at Christmas um, well speaking, yeah, of, you- speaking of new films at Christmas we're talking about a film that is very much not new but is new to you so it well, it's not new, new to me. I'm I'm very aware of it. I was very aware of it for many years. Yeah, um, but you hadn't seen it. That's the point. I'm trying to. That make. is that. That is the point. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it. What is this week's film, Sam? So this week, this week's film, it's a wonderful life. You know, Christmas classic, um, 1946. So Hugh had never seen it before. 
there's no judgment here, Hugh. I'd never seen Empire Strikes Back. You know, we're we're all we're all dirty and uh, awful in this in this pod. Um, it's a. I'll get into the plot. I'll get into the plot. This is a film yeah. about George Bailey. He's having a long night of the soul. He's on the verge of suicide. His town's people, folk, people, friends are praying about him, and that means that the these heavenly bodies, these galaxies and stars, they they're guardian angels. They look down and they say, oh, "Okay, we need we need to help George." And it's essentially about a guardian angel helping George to see the value in his life. That's like the first minute and the last twenty minutes. The one hour forty in between is the film is taking a big shit all over George Bailey. He's a young man with big ideals, big ambitions. He wants to travel the world, and it's essentially an hour hour and a half long slog through his dreams being destroyed he's been forced to kind of carry on the family business this building and loan company to keep it away from evil potter and uh it, it brings him to his lowest ebb and the film is all about well the ultimately um the his guardian agent clarence shows him what life would have been like if he'd never been born which is what his wish was when he was trying to commit suicide and uh turns out every man's life touches so many others and it's it's a you know it's beloved by millions it's a film that makes people cry and cry and cry and it's a film that makes me cry and cry and cry um so the things that i love about it firstly it's it's kind of what we watched in our house at christmas and it, mm. and it totally gets me it's outrageous sentimentality but so how old were you when you first watched it then? I don't I honestly don't know. I would have been quite young. Uh, uh, let's guess at 10 or 10 or less, I would have thought. It's something that my mum loves and and so therefore probably would have watched it, you know. Yeah, because I think there was I think there's films when you were a kid that were on TV quite a lot that you necessarily wouldn't have sat down all the way through and watched it. You might have watched dipped in over the years 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, maybe a half an hour as you got older. Yeah, and this then... is a this is a 2 hour plus black and white film. So yeah, I can see how a, a young child version of me wouldn't have watched the whole thing from start to finish. Do you know? Just to go on a tangent, a film that for some reason always used to be on the TV in my household when I was a little kid was. Have you ever seen the film Calamity Jane? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, With, um, I've seen Doris Day. Yeah, I've seen that film like six times. <laughs> <laughs> see, I watched like, that a few a times with my up. grandma actually. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was that actually that got that made me realise um, black and white films are great. I mean, um, it's not black and white, but yeah, I know what you mean. Oh wow, it feels, no, feels it's like colour. It um, yeah. The film for me that really taught me that black and white films were great was when I watched um, Brief Encounter with my grandma. It would have been about when I was about fourteen or something like that. And you know, we were staying at my grandma's caravan. We were on holiday, so I'm a bit sort of hemmed in I couldn't really go anywhere so we watched this film and it was just brilliant and I thought there's no way you know nobody would have been able to convince me that I would have enjoyed <coughs> about, you know, caravan holidays come and stay somewhere even with your family in an even smaller enclosed space <laughs> yeah, exactly. for a week and yet managed to enjoy that and I think it was the same evening that um, Man United had just been knocked out of the Champions League by Real Madrid Beckham scored a free kick we came so close and it was almost like consolation from that we watched this film and uh, it was really brilliant really brilliant yeah. so in terms of why I love uh, It's Wonderful Life it's really sentimental it is very very sweet but it's more complicated than that it's not just do-goodery for the whole film it's um, George George Bailey is our hero played by Jimmy Stewart he's really good to the core but he's he's got a temper and he's reluctantly good he doesn't want to do all these selfless things he wants to travel he's frustrated he's angry he's unhappy 
and he and he's he's occasionally aggressive, but he's good and he's courageous and he's honourable and he's but he's and he's fierce and it spends as I say about an hour and a half kicking him down. He's not perfect, is he at all? He's not perfect at all. Was no. without trying to spoil my review or anything. I was very surprised at how how almost he wasn't this saintly character at times. That yeah, was, last week he, when you said what to expect, you said that you were worried it might be a bit of sort of vaudevillian and a bit vaudeville and a bit kind of twirly moustaches and things. And it's, he is yeah. more complicated than that. You know, he's he is somebody who is a bit cruel to the guy who's dancing with Mary at the graduation dance uh, in order to, to dance with this girl. And he, and he doesn't want to do these nice things, but he's he's got he's got his father's spirit there. You know, he's, he's, he's learned that from his dad. Um, when I was um, training to be a teacher and deciding to be a teacher, I'd watch, there's a few films that I'd watched a few times, like The History Boys and Dead Poets Society. <clears throat> and it kind of taught me a bit about uh, that kind of the, the, the honour of this, this uh, profession. But actually, really, I think this film is a huge, is a huge influence in, in being a teacher, not because he's a teacher or anything, but there's a great line from, uh, from Clarence and he says strange isn't it each man's life touches so many other lives and I really like yeah. that I really like that idea of, of being a teacher every year if I've got say 200 students that's another 200 people in the community that I've taught or maybe possibly helped in some way or and disappointed they, or disappointed more, <laughs> more likely and then then they'll they'll help others you know and so my teachers taught me and then I taught other people and it's this great sort of this network and web and it, it was something that really appealed to me in that sense so why didn't you go into um, house loans? Just out of interest. Um, it just it put me off it. It was you know they were always they were always skint, and here I am, a public service worker, <laughs> always skint. <laughs> get into the private sector, mate. You make a yeah. make a mint. Especially now. Anyway, we won't get too political. Uh, we don't no. want to turn away. You know, half it's Christmas of our after all. It's Christmas after all. Well, I'm, well in fact, in some, something I didn't say about this film, today we are reviewing the Christmas classic and communist propaganda film. It's a <laughs> yeah, communist propaganda. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So, um, so that's pretty rounded about what you do like about this film. Well, there's um, one. There's the one other big thing. Sorry. That, that, okay. Go on. Um, is it gets me. Um, it understands me and I get understand me and it gets to me um, I've mentioned a couple of times before that I, do, I find it very difficult to cry at sad things in films like a lot of people do and I, but I cry at beautiful things and happy things and, and redemptive things and this film just hits those notes every single time I started crying after 10 minutes when I was watching it yesterday it was when Mr Gower was hitting young George Bailey um, for yeah. missing a delivery George's ears bleeding and he's not done anything wrong and he spends that whole time trying to comfort Mr Gower because he knows that he's just got a telegram saying he's done his son has died and it's such this beautiful moment and it there's a there's a really good podcast series that it's hard to get on a lot of podcast providers now but it's called sci-fi on screen and the whole conceit is the guy describes scene by scene sci-fi films and he kind of widened the net to anything that could be fantasy or basically science fiction and he included this and I listened to him describe this film for an hour and a half and cried several times just wow. like, just hearing these things it's this beautiful thing and uh, I've mentioned Red Dwarf many times before and in the book the no- uh, novel versions of Red Dwarf um, they have this game Get Better Than Life which they also have in the TV show and Lister he's much more of a sort of simple family man and it turns out his better than life scenario is living in Bedford Falls where this film takes place and this it opens with this scene there's a young boy, it's Christmas time he goes to try and buy uh, this toy at a shop 
but he doesn't have quite enough money and the shopkeeper says oh we've got special offer uh, we've just dropped it by a dollar so now you can afford it and then an old man comes in who's uh, homeless he's saying about how he's not going to have anywhere to sleep that day and everything if I just had a ten dollars then I could get myself a haircut and go for that job interview and the little boy gives his ten dollars to the guy and he starts crying and then the shopkeeper says oh we've just had a bigger bigger cut it's now zero dollars and you've got it and everyone's just crying and then it says things like this happen a lot in Bedford Falls <laughs> <And> it, <laughs> it's, it's that sort of place <laughs> so that's why I love it why I think you'd like it is a couple of th- things you've said a couple of times uh, in the last few episodes is that you quite like a film setting out what it's going to be about um, at the start and I think this film does that really well you know it sets up how to watch this film and I think a combination of this sort of storybook beginning um, this is a story this you got you're not supposed to take it too literally and realistically and the kind of quirky twinkle in the eye conversation between the guardian, guardian angels really sets up how to watch this film and I think it's it's sort of designed to stop you feeling cynical and sceptical and just just sort of dive into it and just enjoy it, you know, and really fall into that sentimentality. And I think you are cynical at heart, but I think... Uh, <laughs> Thanks. I hope this taps into some sort of, like, childish, uh, you know, wonderment and, and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Why do you think I might not like this film, then? Um, it is very sweet, and it's possible that maybe you're too jaded. It's possible. Uh, I think this film is too is is good enough to to get through any sort of stony heart. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, there's there's some things that age it, like the jumps. Some of the edits are really jumpy and a bit outdated. You know, somebody will be will be talking, and then it'll just cut to them stood a bit closer, and they're talking. It's a bit outdated like that, but it is over seventy years old. And um, Jimmy Stewart can't pass for early 20s, which inexplicably you might, <laughs> you might worry about. <laughs> um, it, I'll be honest, it does take a bit of yeah. adjusting that scene, yeah. but they, you know, they're trying to tell something there. So I, you know, again, it's the limitations of the time period. Yeah, isn't exactly. It? And you just, you just you, let it go and you go, well, he's yeah. gonna, we're going to see him for the next 10, 15 years. So I, let's just. <laughs> although I did spend a solid 10 minutes trying to work out, well, not 10 minutes, but trying to figure out how old she was in comparison to what he, age he was supposed to be at that point. Oh, yeah. But clearly yeah, yeah. what age he wasn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> was like Because I think he was born in 19, does he say 1908? I think he's. So he's 12 or 1907 1907 yeah so he'll be 21 there she'll be 18 so actually it's not too bad yeah yeah and they've got to play people in their 30s and 40s so i think it's (laughs) fair enough hilariously though when i was watching that scene i went to myself i said oh she's like 25 there clearly she's not (laughs) 18 and i literally googled it two seconds later and she was back on 25 when they made that scene (laughs) so i was like which is good casting you know to say she's 25 so she's got to play 18 and she's got to play sort of 35 or something like that so yeah we'll we'll allow it but yeah so that's that's you know before i go on for the next 40 minutes of just saying why it's great that's that's the pricey that's their bullet point heading so I'm really looking forward to hearing what Hugh thinks of It's a Wonderful Life fingers are crossed I do think this is my favourite film that we've reviewed so no pressure then no pressure (laughs) so join us after the break listeners I'm sure you will we're going to hear Hugh's views Welcome back to Please Watch This. We're going to hear Hugh's views about the 1946 classic It's a Wonderful Life. Hugh, did you love this film? Well, like what you always oh, do sorry, when yeah, we yeah. do these, you know, <laughs> as we've kind of changed it now rather than going, give us a snap 
straight judgment straight away. Um, I'm just going to more or less, you know, say what I liked about the film, maybe what I didn't like, what what I, you know, enjoyed, what could have been better, what's what works, what doesn't work, you know, just I kind of look into that. it. Look under the hood a bit more, uh, I think is better for our, better for us, isn't it? You know, instead of just going, yeah, I liked it or I didn't like it, you know. Uh, okay, I want yeah, to give that. more nuanced opinions. So what did that. you like about it, Hugh? So what I liked about it is... I like the fact that it is clearly the most sentimental film ever made. Yes. I've heard um, it described as Capricorn. <laughs> yeah, because it's the director, we've not mentioned, a uh, famous uh, Italian-American film director, Frank Capra, who had uh, Academy success in the 1930s, um, was a very successful filmmaker. Um, he re- helped write this. Um, it's based on a novel uh, by... It's based on a Christmas well, card, actually. Yeah, is it a Christmas card? Yeah, <laughs> sorry, it's yeah. a 40-page novel uh, written by uh, Philip van der Stern, apparently. Mm. So, um, yeah, I've never heard of anything. And it wasn't called It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, it was called uh, The Greatest Gift, uh, originally. Yeah. I prefer um, this title. Yeah, it's a better title, isn't it? I get They're both good titles, but we got It's a Wonderful Life. It yeah. makes sense. Um, so what I like about this film, I like Jimmy Stewart in this film. I think he's, he's very much the fulcrum of this film. He gives a... You know, for the time, um, he gives a wonderful performance. There's nuance in it. You know, as I said before the break... I thought he was going to be this like almost Ned Flanders-esque character, <laughs> you know, I've heard him describe, but he's, he's not, you know, there's the bit where, um, when he's, when his uncle loses the $8,000 yeah. and he's, he's like, he's angry. I want to get that yeah. as, a, as a clip actually. I'd quite like to put that in right about here. Okay. And did you put the envelope in your pocket? So yeah, as you've just seen in that clip, or heard, sorry, in that clip, as I've just watched it whilst uh, editing it in, um, he basically says, he goes to him, he goes, well, I'm not going to go to prison for this, you can. And he's not at all showing any sort of like, you know, because I think there's a heavy Christian message in this film, let's be honest. There's no Christian brotherhood there. There's just, well, you've made a mistake. I'm not going to prison for your mistake sort of thing. And then, but then he later sort of does take the rap in front of Potter. It's one of those, he's a, he's a complicated good man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, what else did I like about it? I like the whole, um, I mean, let's let's be honest, it's a, it is a bit of a rip-off of A Christmas Carol. Let's, no yeah. doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, most Christmas films are somewhere in some way rip off of that you know a scrooge kind of loses their christmas spirit and gains their christmas spirit yeah i suppose you could say it's a bit of an inverse with this you know it's through no fault of the because broadly this character he's a very good person he's very positive he's does good in the community through his you know through his business um he's he's clearly an attractive character in terms of his personality you know he you know i think 
a lot of this film spends a lot of time going, oh, he wants to get away, he can't wait to explore the world. But then he's like, yeah, but he settles down, gets a really beautiful wife, great, you know, she's a lovely woman, she does the house up, you know, they have these wonderful kids, and it's it's almost like, well, you know, life could have been a lot worse for you, couldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> than yeah, just yeah. not, he's, he's oh, you didn't, you didn't go travelling. <laughs> but, you know, he, yeah. as, as uh, Potter said, you know, that would be fine for any, any normal man, but not for George Bailey. This is a man who could, you know, build mile-long bridges and, and all those kind of things. He's somebody who could do better in the sense of he could live a fuller, more travelled life. It's not the life he chose when he was young. True, true. It's not the life he chose, but he's hardly failed, I would suggest. Yeah, no, so, by, by almost every measure, he's a success. He's just got no money. <laughs> yeah, um, which if he was this amazing talent, wouldn't he have been able to turn the, the, the mortgage company around and to make it... Do have a profit. I mean, they managed to build housing and everything. So I suppose bit... the, the point is that they they wouldn't have a profit. They wouldn't have a you know money. Yeah. They just that's in Bill's house, and that's in you know that's in everybody's houses. Yeah. So so there is a bit of you know you have to. As you said earlier, you know, with these films, you have to watch them on their own terms. So you just, you have to kind of accept from the get go that things aren't kind of going to mix. There's going to be a bit of internal logic that's not there uh, to the film itself. Um, I liked the fact, one thing I did like is the Mr. Potter character. He gets away with stealing that money. There's no, there's there's no no reckoning in that. No, no, that's true. I think, I think that's very almost realistic that he would get away with something like that. Um, if he just if he so cho- chose to, although I do, part of me was thinking while I was watching it, it was like, what's it worth to him that eight thousand? If he's so rich, it's worth destroying the barely buildings and loans. That's what it is. Yeah, he, just, he, just, he could throw that money in the bin. He doesn't give a damn. But part of me thinks an investigation would find that it it went missing in the in the bank when he was and uh, un- the uncle was talking to Mister Potter. So. I'm a bit a bit cynical there, if I'm being honest. You're it's right. Yeah. Cynical. I mean, how? But Uncle Billy's the only witness to that, really, and he's useless. In a busy bank? Yeah, I you mean, know. you know, he, he put it in a newspaper and handed it to... Anyway, we're getting a bit too bogged down here, yeah. but yeah, yeah think... so he gets away with it. In a realistic, I understand way. the, I understand Potter's motivation, but do I really think he would do it in real life? I don't think it'd be worth his business. Quite frankly, I think he, he it would be too high a risk for him to be getting exposed. But I don't. You know, know. I, I to- think he's. I mean, his whole journey in this film is trying to, trying to destroy the building and loan so he can, uh, he can earn everything and call it Pottersville, and that's the one. Mm. That's the one thing on its way to, uh, to getting that, and I think um, he's definitely taking that risk. Yeah. I really enjoyed the bit, you know, when he finally meets Clarence. Like, I didn't expect Clarence to jump in the water. I thought he was just going to talk him down and be like, oh, come with me and I'll show you some stuff, you know, a la Christmas Carol. But he just dives in and no, and <laughs> reckons on George diving in after him and uh, saving him. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that scene. And I like the bit in the, the um, toll house afterwards where he's like, <laughs> where he's telling him that he's an angel and the guy's just like, the other he's guy giving in the room. the best the to- ever spit takes and double takes. I've ever seen in my life falling <laughs> yeah. off his stool. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else do I like? It. I do like the romance in this. It's a bit stilted. It's a bit. It. That's one of the things where maybe to a modern audience, the romance side of it was. It was felt a bit peculiar. It didn't feel forced, but it didn't. 
it didn't feel natural at times. It, it's a weird, it's a weird moment when he's around at hers and they're on the phone to Sam Wainwright and yeah, and, and he says, I'm, "I'm never going to get married." Then they cuddle and kiss, and then cut to their wedding day. <laughs> yeah, and when I watched that back. I was like, "Oh, that's that's really stark." I don't remember that happening. Um, yeah, I put um, I put one of my notes here is why would Sam Wainwright give him an offer of twenty five thousand dollars? Because he's George Bailey. Yeah, that was you it. That was George the answer. Bailey's in trouble. You come running. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh yeah, your mate basically stole the girl that you liked off you, but no, it's fine. I'll offer you money. It's, it's grand. I've moved on. <laughs> you know, I, they try to. They almost do a little like, oh, you're my best girl, and he's got a girl like above him, and it's like, oh, look what I'm saying to this woman back in small, you know, Smallville essentially <laughs> in, in Bedford Falls. But yeah, so little, you know, there's the inconsistencies in it, but I love the uh, stuff where, you know, they're going from uh, place to place once he saves. Clarence, uh, Clarence is saved by George when he's, um, yeah. you know, when he's not himself, and he's a little torn you know, through the effect that he's had. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned it in the last episode. Obviously, because this film is so old and it's been featured on lists of greatest movies and things like that, I'd kind of seen that scene in the cemetery a few times yeah, where that's a very, he talks about Harry. Yeah. Um, so I knew that, but what I didn't hadn't seen was the scene in the bar. Um, yeah, that's, that's really good. You know, it, um, I like when he's walking down the the, uh, the boulevard and it's all these sleazy joints. Um, you know, they make out... I mean, a part of me does wonder, like, would that place not have got like that anyway? <laughs> or it would have been a bit like that? Because this if is, this Potter was so in control of everything else that he would have been able to have instituted these, um, you know... Mm, Places of ill repute, so to speak. There's a there's a heavy moralistic hand there. I felt which was yeah. There certainly is, like you say, it's very Christian uh, sort of thing. And yeah. I found myself getting nostalgic for a time before I was born watching this. Did you feel it all? You know the 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 sort of this you know okay boomer thing that this idea of this land that never was that people hark back to. I did kind of feel it watching this. I, I did think, oh yeah, maybe I should just give up my phone and move to a small town where everybody knows each other and yeah there's something really carefree can we move about to George. Ireland yeah I'm sure yeah <laughs> but yeah I mean that's it there's something really carefree about George and that whole lifestyle and everybody knowing each other by name and I felt I felt a weird nostalgia. Did you? I don't know. Did you feel that at all? Did you feel? Yeah, no, I totally like understand. It's it's totally understandable. Yeah, because it's it is a community, isn't it? It's not a collection of neighbours. It's a collection of individuals who know each other, who are involved in each other's lives, and you know it. You know, one of the good things about this film, like you said, is at the reckoning at the end when everyone comes pulls through for him it's they all owe him their house up you know the roof over their head and they mm-hmm. recognize that if it hadn't been for his character then they wouldn't they'd be out on their ear they'd be in these horrible shacks that um potter uh, rents out so yeah I, I i can understand the nostalgia for a time that never existed or yeah. a, or a, or a it's not so much a time that didn't exist but it was a a hyper real version of something that kind of existed in yeah the 40s and I think it and kind of there are hints that. to the bits that would be unhappy for example race relations uh, gender imbalances those things actually yeah. it would be great to be a white man in that time and you know which yeah. we could a, get along with fine. a middle class white man yeah. middle class white man yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah I felt I did feel a longing to live that sort of lifestyle I don't know if I'd probably get bored really quickly but but just in that two and a bit hours that I was watching it, I did think, oh, yeah, 
yeah, I want to. This is somewhere I'd like to live. I mean, like I said, on that point, I just made one of the notes I made here was abusing the help. Harry literally yeah, yes. smacks. Yeah, I the, mean that's both um, gender and race. <laughs> just yeah, it's both of them. <laughs> right there. But, yeah, but the image you get is that she quite enjoyed that, and that's you know. But uh, that's that doesn't make it right. No, like, <laughs> uh, um, you know, uh, maybe a, someone more learned than me in sociology and gender studies and race studies and so on would say, well, that's kind of uh, internalized misogyny and. <laughs> and you know, self-loathing racism and all, all this kind of thing. But actually, it just seemed like a lot of harmless fun. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not deeper than than the surface here, though. I think with this film, no. in terms of that, it's not. You can sometimes films hit so well that people try to overanalyze them. <coughs> Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> oh, get that off my chest. Um, no, but you know some. But some films do set out to make these points, mm. and they do it intentionally. And, and you listen to that. No, it's you know hallmark have made an entire business out of this film. Quite yeah. frankly, well, that's um, it. And it's not quite a hallmark decades. film because, as we said, it's complicated and it's dark and it's gritty and and so on. But its sentiment is, is yeah, that. it's not a political message. I think in the, one in thing. That sense. One thing with these kind of films I notice is, you know, this is before like the cinema verite movement. So people kind of act in a way that they know they're in a film. Yeah. Which is something kind of, it's almost refreshing these days. I like it. It it feels like real cinema. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a Mike Lee, uh, basically fly on the wall thing (laughs) where I'm trying to watch real life. I'm watching a story between characters I like. Yeah, and, and you know, so you get that kind of you get that kind of forties witty dialogue. I like. There's a great bit where he goes, "I can get another job. I'm 55," and the other woman just chips and goes, "56." Yeah, <laughs> there are so many funny lines in this film. It's it's actually really funny. George is very funny as well, and we'll get into it in favorite lines. I wrote down about six. <laughs> right, okay. Re- there's some really great lines in this film. Um, so maybe what didn't I like about this film? I think it, you know. It does show its age a little bit. Um, sometimes that's not its... You know, you've got to judge it by its own standard of the time, so there's nothing you can do about that. Um, I, interesting, I actually saw this film in colour today when I watched it. Uh, there was a 2007 uh, digital colourisation version of it. It's um, funny, funny was... you mention that. Yeah, I watched it in colour. I'm just watching it now on colour again. I've got the DVD and I've got... It's a two-disc. Yeah. And so the one colour is colourised. Uh, one disc is colourised and one is black and white. It's the first time I've seen mm. it in colour, actually. Which was a nice experience. I'm not entirely sure what difference that makes to the overall feel of the film. It's a lot more vibrant, I think, in colour. You know, the bit where he's walking down the street in um, Pottersville. Mm, Um, The neon lights really pop in that scene. Red light district, yeah, that yeah. yeah, Yeah, which I think you wouldn't. I was sat there going, oh, because I was watching it, I didn't realise. I was like, when I first put it on, I was like, I'm sure this is in black and white. And, I'm like, <laughs> and then I was like, have I just misremembered this? And it's just been put in black and white or something like that. And then um, I was like, no, you can tell by the image that there's black and white here, that they've colorized this. Mm. So then I spent it's about a damn half. good job, though. Yeah, it is a good job, yeah. So what actually happened, there was a bit of controversy with it. So Frank Capra, the director, went to go get it colorized, I think in the 50s or in the 60s at some what point. Was I mean, how good um, was colorization in the 50s and 60s? I don't maybe know. Maybe they uh, painted not, on the film cells. I, I don't understand. That's that's wow. what they do, yeah. He um, And he put down $240,000. He paid half of the fee to get it colorized. But for some reason at the time, the film was in public domain or public ownership so oh, that sounds very there was a big legal argument 
<laughs> <laughs> but there was a big there was a big argument, and the company that was doing it gave Capra back the money, and so for like thirty years there was a big argument about it and Jimmy Stewart didn't like the colorized version of it um, I think because he was kind of sticking up for Capra I could be wrong on that you know email in at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com if uh, you know any better um, but yeah so he didn't really like it but I think this I, I saw a colorized version I can't you know once you've watched something once it's hard to compare yeah. isn't it because you can, you, you've, you can only ever watch something once for exactly. the first time and I think once. as well from our modern perspective we're not tied to we don't necessarily yeah, we're not tied to the black and white, whereas Jimmy Stewart would have grown up with black and white and seen this film the first 50 times in black and white. So, yeah, I, I, can, yeah. I can respect that. Yeah. Okay, so let's, shall we go on to favourite scenes? Let's get favourite scenes, scenes yeah. Um, do you want to tell us your favourite scene? Because I think you've got, got a lot to say here. Lot to say. Yeah, tell us your favourite scene. <laughs> go on, since it's Christmas, I will give you the gift okay. of going first. Well, this. you know, this, isn't, this has never happened before. While I'm watching it in the background, something's come up that I'm about to talk about. Isn't that... Oh, what a fucking <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle! <laughs> um, my favourite scene is when he's just got married and the the bank had basically, you know, Potter's trying to close down the bank and loan, and everyone is there, building loan, and everyone is there to get their money out. Yeah, and he talks down the mob, and he settles with them, and he, yeah, he gets them to just just only have the money that they need because it can it encompasses everything. It's him on his way out. He's out the door. He's in his car on his way to his honeymoon with two grand in his back pocket. And that bloody building and loan brings him back, takes every penny off him, makes him forget about his wife. And I have some questions. Okay, about tell, that us, tell us some questions. Ask us some questions. First question: Why are they getting married in the weekday? <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> Second probably question. There's one, probably there's one, why there's is their one uncle boat a month? Why is their uncle not at their wedding? <laughs> yeah. well, oh, that's why. Well, I'll tell you why. Because he has a string on his finger and he forgot. It's to a weekday. He, he has got, work. He's got a string on his finger and he forgot to go. When when George turns up, he's like, "Oh, your wedding," and he says, "You can take that one off now." He forgot. <laughs> I mean, could he not phone he's the useless. The, but, but couldn't couldn't have George phoned On his wedding him. day. He's getting married. The, He's not signing that sort yeah, of stuff. What? Go to a phone for two seconds going, oh, uncle, you're supposed to be here. Oh, yeah, I'll be there in 10 minutes because we live in this really small <laughs> town where everything's within 10 minutes. Um, yeah, that annoyed me a little bit. That it... That scene is that seems really good. There's no doubt where they um, there's a great line, isn't there, at the end where there's, they've got two bucks left and it goes, oh, far, mum and papa, and it's like, let's hope they have yeah. lots of little kids and the woman and again though, yeah, I can't remember the name of the character, but she pipes up and goes, let's hope they're <laughs> <Yeah>. rabbits. <laughs> and my, my favourite bit of the scene, the bit that really got me, was the the little lady who says. Uh, have you got I'll take $17.50 and he kisses her he's like thank you so much for itemising exactly what you need for the next week yeah because it's it, like I say this this mm. seems everything it's it's George Bailey's frustration and not being able to do what he wants it's his steel wit, uh, wit and determination like his, his determination and his will and he's very witty in that scene and he's thinks on his feet and he's just honest and he knows everybody by name and it's kind of the moral message of the film it's that you know this is this isn't money for you this money's in so and so's house and so and so's house and where would you have been last yeah. year if if, the, if the, their money wasn't there for you and it's this it's what makes it a communist propaganda film it's just <laughs> but he outlines the perfect work of capitalism and how it actually yeah, works yeah exactly so and how it works this big spider who's just digging his claws into everything and I mean I've mixed metaphors there mm. spiders don't have claws but digging its spider teeth into everything and Maybe everything's on its web uh, and George Bailey manages to tell them to where to go you know and 
and it's just my it's just a brilliant scene how about you what's your favorite scene yeah uh that, yeah that is a great scene um it's especially towards the end of the film you realize just how good it is because it's like well he hadn't stuck up for this community at that point when there was a run on the bank um you know he wouldn't have got what he needed yeah. in the end which saved his That's life right, essentially we see him having um, an individual effect on a lot of those people but this is him having an effect on everybody yeah exactly and it's uh, it works perfectly doesn't it um, it's probably the best written scene I'd yeah, say yeah very smart yeah because they almost almost in terms of best written scene they almost had the bit where they were walking home um, and he's like oh I'll tie a I'll tie a lasso around the moon mm. and um, I'll give you that and that was that was almost perfect and then she goes in the bush <laughs> naked <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then he turns into the, some wi- but he turns into this really strange character of like, hmm, how can I, how can I exploit this, is the this thing, situation? This is the complication of him. He wasn't just a do-gooder. He's a, you know, he's a man with clear feet and uh, and a pulse. Um, but he's not seeing it in a weird sexual assaulty kind of way. He's seeing it in a kind of a no. way that you trust that he's just being funny and he will well, let her out eventually, but he's, he's having some fun with it. That's what I thought. It was so weird because you're just expecting this like, bit where he's like oh I'll, I'll trade you for a yeah, kiss or yeah, something which would have been really, really 1940s yeah no I think it but I think it would have been sweet because he'd be like here you go and she would have kissed him because she would have he would have saved his her modesty you know that yeah, kind of yeah but I way. think that funny enough the way been, that and it was building up as well that well, they were going to kiss like, like, <laughs> I'll, I'll do you a deal and then the car turned up so it probably was going to be something like that but I think that line would have been yeah. much creepier than what he did and I think <laughs> I loved how he said you know uh, I'll, I'll tell your mama and he's like oh no she's down the street I'll call the police no they're way downtown and they'd be on my side too <laughs> and he's, he's just having yeah lots of what fun. does that mean they'd be he's, on he's his side like, like, that's you know, they, well creepy they'd understand my predicament <laughs> they'd, they'd understand <laughs> which I just yeah. really liked um, but my actual favourite scene that isn't my favourite scene that's probably the worst oh, scene dear. actually because he doesn't even tell him what's happened she, you just go oh I've yeah. got to go he doesn't say to her by the way my dad's had a stroke well, that's why he's I'm leaving you naked in a bush he gives a yeah but up. come on yeah, I think you you make it. I know you're being precious now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the best scene it is the end scene. It is. Mm. I mean, let's face it, it. It it's the bit. It's all the you know the last two hours coming to fruition, and it's everything that you know you want in a film that's talks about um, these things like you know about community and about you know standing up to the man. Here's and, the question: you know, Did you cry? Oh, yes, that's good. Oh yeah, properly. Yeah, uh, I wasn't mm. sobbing. I was just like, oh, this is, and I, you know, I welled up and shed a oh, couple good, of tears. Because, uh, you can't, I mean, you'd be dead inside. If, well, I'm not saying, you, look, if you don't cry at this film, I understand. It it takes, you know, to a modern audience, this film can seem a, too cheesy because there's a reason for that. It's been done to death yeah. since this film came out. I'm not saying they didn't have sentimentality before 1946 in film and television. I'm sure it was prevalent as much as it is today but this is the gold standard for yeah, it it really nails that and kind I, I mean I, like I said before I was crying after 10 minutes and I was ugly crying I mean I was just um, I covered like myself a in, a, in, a, in my blanket <laughs> literally put a blanket around me covered myself <laughs> in it covered my face when that scene was happening bloody hell his missus goes away for <laughs> less than a week and he's like a child <laughs> what is it like what's some sort of yeah uh, some sort of weird loneliness lacrimosity like I have found myself being way too emotional at things this week um, just because I've I'm on my own watching them so I can just be as emotional as I want <clears throat> and this was the worst <laughs> film for that because it just it just destroyed me every time I watch yeah, this film I cry so... a new thing 
Do you? Yeah, yeah. Because because I take the Fair rest enough. for granted, and then something else strikes me as beautiful. Yeah, it's great. What a film. Yeah. Well, so what was your favorite? Oh, the other. Sorry, the other uh, scene that I quite like is the um, the pool scene oh, when the dance fun, floor opens yeah, up. That feels like a different film. Yeah, that's. I remember years went either years went by or for some reason I just sort of forgot a lot of these a lot of the parts. It's a good film, and I remember seeing that on like a Channel Four you know, compilation thing, and thinking, oh, I recognise that scene, but it being in It's Wonderful Life felt weird and alien. I don't know why, it just didn't feel like it fit. It, it fits in the film, this isn't the criticism of the film at all, but it was just... Yeah. One thing that does surprise me about this film is um, it it's actually not really a Christmas film until the very end. Yeah, I mean, it's set at Christmas. It's just a film. Right. It's, it's then, his life, yeah. isn't it? His wonderful yeah, life. it just happens to be about Christmas, <laughs> yeah. Um, go on then. What's your well, favourite? I've got line about seven film? or eight. So you tell us your favourite line, and then I'll do the rest. <laughs> okay. Um, so my favourite one is when uh, Clarence and um, George are in the are in Nick's instead of it being Martinis, and um, Clarence is trying to get a drink, and he's asked for mulled wine. You know, he's asked for the most Christmas drink he can think of, and Nick just goes, "Hey, look, Mister, we serve hard drinks for men who want to get drunk fast, and we don't need any characters around." to give the joint an atmosphere. Is that clear? Or do I have to schlup you with my left foot <laughs> yeah, for a convincer? convincer? Was that homophobia? Is that what that was? That's how I picked oh, up on it. Um, oh, I didn't, no, I didn't read it as that. Character and ordering, you know, women's drinks. Um, well, he doesn't say that, does he? he no, just but says, that, that's just the that's It the could be, it could be veiled. Because Clarence is very sort of a feat, isn't he? And yeah, there's, a, there's, yeah. A, there's an element I think he's just... I mean, I didn't read it as that. I read it as just he's a bit... It's not a genteel yeah. place. It was more of a, you know, like you said, it's a place where men go to get liquored yeah. up fast. And yeah, I think it's... I mean, but, if, you know, if that's an interpretation, no, it's not one I recognised on I viewing, think it's, but, it's, a, it's open yeah. to interpretation. And I think it basically it's... Yeah, we don't want any dreamers in here. Yeah, because gay people yeah, are dreamers. you know, fairies and <laughs> angels and all that. Um, yeah. Well, he is yeah, an well, angel. Exactly. Yeah, so that was kind of the, the vibe. Yeah. So I've got a million a million favourite lines. I'm going to give you the, my favourite funny lines first. There's a, there's a great bit Go early on. in the film when Violet's walking past in that dress. And, um, and the cab driver <laughs> says, you're coming along, Bert. We'll show you the town. And Bert says, no thanks. i uh, got to go home and see what the wife's doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, We've all been We've there, all been though, there, haven't we? Yeah. When and when a beautiful woman walks past and they start talking to you, and just three, three it doesn't matter how many blokes are there, you're all just kind of like, yeah, 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 she's, she's, yeah, well done. she's yeah. Oh, this old yeah, thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, Christ. <laughs> so these are some of my funny, uh, my, my favourite kind of more serious lines. I really liked at the very start when the kind of head guardian angel is talking to Clarence and he's saying there's something wrong with George Bailey and Clarence says is he sick and he says no worse he's discouraged I thought that's really really smart you know there's some wisdom there Um, also the bit where George is at a a very low ebb and he he goes to Potter and he says you used to be so cocky you once called me a warp frustrated old man what are you but a warp frustrated young man and and I just really like that that's really nice um and finally, this is the one that I think is my favourite because it's poetic and it also sums up George's um, ambitions when he's talking to Mary and he says, I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. And I think I really like that line. 
So lots of really good lines, lots of witty lines. Those I think are my my top ones. Hmm. Um. Yeah. That, there's there's a lot in there, isn't there? The mm-hmm. uh, the lasso around the moons, as I mentioned, is really good as well. Yeah, I want to um, get that as a print, maybe as a t-shirt. That would be very good. It's just yeah. so happens. A bit creepy when she's got the picture. It of is it weird. It is weird. Years later. Yeah. Or, or however long later. Yeah. Years later. Um, yeah. That's a bit. Miss Havisham keeping hold of her wedding dress or whatever but you know it's it's cute because yeah. she's Donna Reed and she's a very attractive lady so yeah. I'm sure he's fine with it yeah well he doesn't read it like that at first does he he walks yeah, in he's, he's, like, oh. he's, he's a, what? oh well what sort of yeah, joke is that yeah that's when he's been at his least Ned Flandersy when he's really moody and you're like oh yeah whatever um, another, yeah. another thing did you know before you watched this film that it was basically an hour and a half of really depressing stuff first no, no, I just assumed it was maybe 45 minutes max of it kind of showing his backstory and then the rest of the, the film being him about showing his impact on the yeah. world. Um, was that was that a good surprise? So I was, I'll be honest, it Not wasn't, really. no. But the, uh, one thing I think is good about this film is the piercings. Mm. Not for an older film, is yeah. quite good. Yeah, so... It it does drag a little bit in the middle where there's like some, like I can I mean, how does she get the house? I never understood. I missed maybe I missed the line where she's because they go because she at, at the day when the bank run and they get married and they have the honeymoon in the house, the old house. Do, do, do they buy the house? It's never implied that they buy it. They just seem to do up this old it's house. True. I mean, I don't know if maybe like, the the sort of laws around ownership were different then I mean it's it's one of those things that they could throw in a scene of them going down and saving up for it and buying yeah. it but actually what's the that's shoe leather isn't it that's not it is a weird and, and I think if you yeah. notice it it might take you out a little bit but actually <clears throat> I think that's one of those things you happily just hand wave yeah there doesn't seem that much padding in this no, film no there isn't for quite from... a long film there isn't and most scenes they don't outstay they're welcome and <laughs> No, but it not would at all. if the most of the film was Clarence showing the effect he's had on on things. Because you need to yeah. see that effect first, and then you just get a summary, really, don't you, for 15 minutes. I think that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a surprise that they didn't spend more time showing him stuff. But maybe they were aware that they didn't want it to be totally, you know, the um, uh, Christmas yeah, Carol. True. So they, that was And it their escalates quite well, because it's people like Martini and Mr. Gower, people who've, you know, been been character in his in his life and then kind of the big ones of his mum and uh, and his wife you know and that's there's a great shot when he comes out of Mar Bailey's uh, house when, when she doesn't recognise him when he, mm. he looks he kind of like pans from left to right on the screen and he's got this just really manic distraught face um, yeah and it just it just builds really well and gets him to the right people and then of course him going after his wife leads to um, Bert chasing him and and then him going back to the back to the bridge. So it would it would have yeah. been quite boring. Yeah, she became she became <laughs> she became a spinster at the the old age. <laughs> that's of That's the one thing that's not believable that Donna Reed would be a spinster. But you know, no, or that so. that's the worst possible fate for a woman. That's where it's aged. I could imagine her getting divorced and like having like loads yeah, of kids marrying or something, the wrong man. and then she was having to. Yeah, she was having to raise these kids and, yeah. and sort of things but like that. But she's still gorgeous, even that. when they try to make her look like an old spinster librarian. <laughs> she just got glasses yeah, on Yeah, that one. didn't... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite work yeah, that bit. That's but yeah, no, I was, I was surprised. I don't think it was for the betterment of the film, if I'm being honest. What would have been a more... F- but, so yeah, do you think maybe just she's stuck in a 
terrible marriage. You just don't need something. Yeah. Oh, I mean, her being a spinster. That's they didn't. Surprisingly, they didn't. They could have played that one of two ways because you've got the whole. Well, let's show the effects that he's had on these people's lives, and the one that character who you'd think he'd have the most effect on would be his wife. And all it is is he literally goes up to her like a crazy yeah. person, be, does does crazy things, shouts at her and scares her and she faints. There's no real like analysis of what her life would have been like. I think that maybe personally on reflection might have been better because they, it's such an integral part of the plot. But at the same time, they've, sh- they've gone through, there's no martini, um, people um oh what's the taxi driver is it ernie. Bert or ernie 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 Bieber. <laughs> that's where they got the names by the way too. i'm sure you knew that no apparently it's not myth dispelled sadly shame. but you know yeah, i think I read that's that not true i think they did get it from this so it, it my, works, my, it? my opinions um, are just as good as your facts well i mean in this yeah. plus fact age yeah we're speaking Post actually truth. just after Trump uh, got impeached. Fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. But he's not. He's he's uh, he's orange. Not <laughs> Get out. So yeah. So it shows the effects. So I think if they carried on labouring that point, it might might. Yeah, not it, have it wouldn't have had anything. I, mean? I don't think it's the point. Is yeah, that she, yeah. her life is very different, and she never married, and she never was happy. And it's over time where yeah. a, a goal for a woman is to be married to a a good man and the spinster would be a bad thing to be but um, that's aged it but you you see it for the context it's from really don't you yeah um, but yeah other than that so what um, you know we said you know what did I like this film I, you know it's not a bad film I quite enjoyed it um, I think I was a bit too old to really get that sentimental value for it maybe that you mm. have for it um, because I didn't grow up with it, I, I knew about it, but I'd never seen it. Just yeah. So if you were to um, rate it um, out of oh gosh, I haven't thought of a rating system. Uh, well, shall we? We'll go for a break. We'll go for a break. Rating system. We'll hear what you yeah. thought, like in a quantitative way, and we'll uh, we'll get to the critics <laughs> and the quiz. Join us after the break. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Please Watch This. Uh, we're going to find out Hugh's rating. Hugh, how many convincers out of ten would you give this film? <laughs> um, I would convincingly be convinced to rate this. I have to say a seven, Sam. Oh, that is disappointing. Yeah, because... But you cried. It did the thing it was supposed to do. But it didn't grip me all the way through. Mm, yeah. Fair for, for me, it's complete ten. Yeah, complete of course. ten out of ten. Without without uh, reluctance, let's see However, what the critics made of it. Go on, sorry. Yeah, we, you know something we will start doing again now is I would recommend it to other people, and I would, <laughs> but I would now incorporate it into my Christmas oeuvre. You know, of films that right because it is you know it is a wonderful life, and yeah. Um, Could you see yourself watching this next Christmas? Probably not next Christmas. But then if I, if I watch, but if someone I say I was hanging out with somebody and they were like, oh, do you want to watch? Do you want to watch? It's a Wonderful Life. I'm not going to say no. All right, I'm, I'll hang out with you next Christmas. Yeah. Then. Do you know what? Received. Do you know the reason that I've given it a seven? And uh, because you're basically Scrooge. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's because there. It 
so Clarence has been his, his mission is to get his wings by saving this man's life right from committing suicide I mean he has been given the fruit isn't low hanging it's sat on the ground for him because <laughs> he's got the IQ of a child that's why yeah yeah, yeah no, wait, the IQ of a oh what is it he's got the IQ of something but the faith of a child oh dear yeah what does he say yeah I can't remember either he's got the IQ of a squirrel or something oh dear Oh, oh I, no! Oh, my brain! My brain is bleeding out of my ears. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll get back to it. And yeah. also, um, my dad's deaf in one ear, and if I went up to my dad and whispered that loudly in his ear, his <laughs> other ear definitely would have heard me. Yeah, um, but it's it's sweet, isn't it? It is. You know, it is. I'm gonna love you till the day I die. Anyway, um, or murderous if it's the other way around. The uh, yeah, the, uh, just before, uh, the but, more. But yes, yeah, so. Go on. Yeah, go on. So with so with the character with Jimmy Jimmy Stewart's character in this George, he's he's a, like you said, he's a man having a dark night of the soul, but he's not necessarily a he's not a miser, he's not a miserable character, he's not a depressive character. All he needed was a, a little reminder of how good his life is, despite you know, like like we said, his setbacks in this film were never until his uncle loses that money he's able to build a life for himself maybe it's not the life he wanted but it's by any measure a good life so and I think credit to Clarence because he wasn't told what he had to do it was literally when he met him and spoke to him he was like huh yeah that's a good idea maybe I'll show you what life would be like if you were never born yeah and uh, he made the right choice he deserved those bloody wings Mm. please stop denigrating my friend Clarence let's find out what the critics thought I'm going to go to one of our favourites, Roger Ebert, our very favourite, I would say, in January 1st, 1999. How many stars do you think Roger would give it? I mean, Roger Ebert would have given it five stars out of four. Yeah, he, yeah, he's that sort of... He's somebody who loves cinema, and he's he's not very cynical, is he, really? Um, yeah, he gave it four out of four. He, he said, funnily enough, he talked about the colourisation process. He said, the best and worst thing to happen was it was falling out of the public domain. It was the best thing because it meant that... Um, that everybody got to see it because you know a network could play it all the time at no cost. The worst thing, worst thing, because it became they could do whatever they want to it and they could colorize it. And and he said if he was running um, a network, he would see when it was going to be played the colorized version and then also play it on his channel, black and white. He said, what's remarkable about this wonderful life is how well it holds up over the years. It's one of those ageless movies like Casablanca or The Third Man that improves with age. Yeah, it definitely holds up, doesn't it? Because it's, um, it, it, it maybe not ageless, and it's very much of its time, but it is kind of set in this, in this, um, ageless world. Do you know what I mean? They mention the war briefly. I mean, the war's literally like ten, like a, a montage in this film, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, yeah, and and of course, both Jimmy Stewart and Capra were just off uh, their their. Uh, National, you know, doing their doing their duty in the war. Mm. Wasn't Jimmy Stewart actually? What did he do in the war? Did you look into that? Because I knew, I think briefly, I've read it before. I might no, I think was it him or Cary Grant? One of them actually served in quite a high position during the war. I can't remember. It does ring a bell. Um, no, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, I've not done that much do research. Know. I'll be honest. Yeah, I, it's it's. I'm just pure gut visceral yeah. reaction to this. I know film. that Frank Capra <laughs> did a lot of war propaganda. Um, yeah, which US makes sense, government. I suppose. You know, do, you know, do what you're good at, um, and it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. The war thing. Um, here's a more contemporary of the film review mm, by. Should be interesting. Um, yeah, and it used to, well, what would you expect it to be? 
I've no idea because I'm not familiar with the the reviewing process from the forties. They might it might have developed in a way since the uh, since then. That's got its you know things change over time. So I've no idea. So. So this is the critic Bosley Crowther in the um, in the New York Times, December twenty third, nineteen forty six, and what he said. Uh, he, he gave it a 7 out of 10 he said that uh, Lyle, Lionel Barrymore's banker is almost a caricature of Scrooge and Henry Travers', Travers Heavenly Messenger is a little too sticky for our taste um, he said indeed the weakness of this picture from this reviewer's point of view is the sentimentality of it it's illusory <laughs> it's illusory, illusory concept of life um, he basically says Mr Capra's turkey dinner's philosophy while emotionally gratifying doesn't fill the hungry paunch and I can see where he's coming from in that I completely agree it's emotionally gratifying. But, f- you know, for me, I I don't care. But if it's not sustenance enough, you know, it's, it, it's for me, it, I don't, you know, I can't see fault with it. I mean, it's a film that, as we you mentioned right at the beginning, you judge it on its own merits. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. and it does tell you how to watch it. And it and it does give you that, It's it doesn't have a misstep inside its own internal logic of its film. Yeah, Which and I it really so. immediately gets you to leave your cynicism at the door, I think. Yeah. What score do you think it would get on Metacritic? Oh, I mean, on Metacritic, it's probably got like 93 or 4% or something like that. You're not a million miles off, 89%. Really? I'm surprised it was as low as that. Yeah, right? yeah, I am as well. I mean, I understand. I, mean, like, I, out. I get why you see it as a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like, I'm not, you know, it's these films, they are like a bit like with Star Wars, you know, for, or for Empire. You know, you see it at a certain age and it, it leaves a lasting impact. That's the power of cinema. That's the idea of it. That's why we enjoy it so much. You know, that's why we go back to these films year in, year out. Yeah, I agree. And, it, and it's every time I watch it, it gets more perfect. Um, let's see how well you paid attention to it then. We're going to get the quiz going. Oh, can you get a quiz going? Yes, we can. Here's a little jingle <laughs> that I just made up about having a movie quiz. It's beautiful. Well done. Um, Jingle now, bells, because this film is um, <laughs> this film is forty percent better than most. We're going to go back to the. Seven oh, we're going system. back to the seven. Forty percent more questions. Seven deadly uh, quiz sins. Eh? <laughs> um, let's start with the slightly easier ones. Um, in what year was the dance? <laughs> in what in what year was the dance where George and Mary danced? Oh, right. I tried to make this out and I couldn't quite. I didn't pick it up if they said the year. And I couldn't. They did, qu- and there was a big banner. And, yeah, the uh, yeah. banner. I couldn't quite make it out. It was. I think it was late twenties. I think it was like. Mm-hmm. Wait, could it have been? Why would it have been late twenties? I mean, if he's meant to be like early twenties in that scene, surely. Yeah, and he's born in nineteen oh seven. Yeah, so he was. Yeah, it's either twenty six or twenty eight. I genuinely couldn't make it out. Some when I looked. Oh yeah, it, and I'll, I'll give you the point. Twenty eight. Yeah, twenty eight. I couldn't. Very good. Quite see it. Um, what year is? today in the film what year is what year is the the day that the film is actually set where Clarence oh it's Christmas Eve sorry what what uh, what year oh feck (laughs) (laughs) um I mean I'm guessing it's 19 it's either 45 or 46 I don't know 40 I'll give you the point again because it's Christmas yeah 1945 yeah that makes sense well done two out of two so far this is where it gets slightly trickier um what are the three most exciting sounds in the world for Uncle Billy? Oh, uh, it's the horn of a train. Like the the tooting of a train horn. For Uncle Billy. Oh, for, oh no, for Uncle Billy. Sorry, <laughs> that's, thank God. Oh, no, for Uncle Billy, it's being called for breakfast, lunch and dinner. 
That's right. Yeah. Breakfast is served. Lunch is served. Yeah, that's it. Dinner is served. Uh, question Specifically. four. What are the three most exciting sounds in the world for George oh, you Bailey? Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the, obviously a train horn, as I mentioned. It's mm, train whistle. Train I'll whistle. Yeah. It's the something rattle of a particular engine mm. or a machine. Mm, uh, quite vague. Yeah, because I can't remember specifically what I said. <laughs> Do you want the answer? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember the third one at all. Anchor chains, plane motors, and train whistles. Ah, play it, trains. That yeah. was it, trains. I was trying to get anchor. So boats, planes, and uh, yeah. trains. Um, question five. How much money does that prick, Tom, have with the building and loan? <laughs> you don't like that guy, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. like, I've got this many dollars. I'm not going to take 20 like everybody else. Was it else. 200? It was either 204. 43 or 263. Ooh, you got very close. 242. 242, dollars. yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Well done. But he does say it about four times, to be fair. Yeah, he does a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, question six, actually, a bit easy this. Uh, how much money does Uncle Bailey lose? Billy lose? Oh, we've mentioned it a few times. £8,000. Uh, sorry, good. dollars. Not pounds. Dollars, yeah. <laughs> and finally, question seven. What business does Sam Wainwright want George to get into? Wants, For a bonus point, what's the new process that he wants to use? I mean, it's something to... Well, it's plastics. Yeah. Because um, there's that really weird, like, back projection scene where he's like, um, Sam Wainwright <laughs> made plastics for the army. You can just tell it's him, yeah. two or three they, guys, yeah, and they're, they're a, a back projection <laughs> of, uh, of a, a factory making uh, tops for uh, plain gunners. Domes, basically. Um, um, plastics made through, from. I'm sure he said soybeans or so. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Uh, Very it, observant. Yeah, because I was like, "What? You make plastic through soy? What?" <laughs> yeah, even that was like. Hey. <laughs> so it turns out it tu- I looked at, looked at that a little bit, and it turns out Henry Productive, Ford had a similar process, but it wasn't it wasn't soybeans. It was. Um, Something else. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I didn't look into it that far. It was soy fibre with resin and blah blah blah. I mean, I didn't, re- I didn't find it that interesting. Not technologist. Um, I couldn't I th- tell I you how plastics about, made. I think you got about three hundred percent there. Well, done. well, I mean, well done. I solidly got like two questions right. <laughs> I mean, you, you, indisputably, there was at least one in there that you didn't get wrong immediately. So I've got a question well, for you. Bonus question for you oh, this week. What listeners, country? Listeners, are you hearing this? What? A question for me. See how Sorry, observant no. you are about this film. What? Yeah, please. Not do. That I don't. They don't mention the country, but what country is Samarkandin? Oh, good, good question. Just on the name, the ancient guess, city. Oh, of Samarkand. I was going to say Morocco. I will say what they don't Jordan. have. They don't have ancient cities in in Morocco. Yeah, they do. I'm sure they do. It looks like a Moroccan. I'll say Turkey. Uh, no. It's Greece. No. Iraq. Keep, Iran. Yeah. Jordan. Bit bit further north than Iran. Afghanistan. Nearly. Uh, bit to the left. Uzbekistan. Yes, Uzbekistan. Is it? It is. As if I was going to guess that. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, you know. See, observing. Got there in the end. Yeah. Got there in the end. That is a good question. I liked that a lot. Yeah. Well done. Samarkand's like one of those places that I almost was like, oh, that still exists. <laughs> I thought it was like burnt down in like Constantinople, and yeah. well, that still exists. But yeah, like a bit like well, Babylon, you know, it was one yeah. of these places that no longer kind of exists. A bit like and Carthage. Yeah. So yeah, well done. Uh, you got hundred percent. Well done to you, sir. Well, eventually. 
clap to well done listener we know you've got more right so well. yeah so yeah that is our Christmas <laughs> special because every, everything has to be special at Christmas can't just be a Christmas yeah um, we can't just sit around yeah. chatting about films we've got to make it about the best Christmas is this the best Christmas film of all time I couldn't possibly say so because because you might like Die Hard more but it's hard to say <laughs> that's a better Christmas film than this because it's it is a Christmas film but it's not it's not really a. I don't think it's a Christmas film. I think it's a film set at Christmas. It's a bit like there's Die Hard. Christmas, yeah. There's Christmas values. Die Hard. Yeah. I mean, uh, so like Christmas film. Um, you know, Nightmare, Night, not Nightmare, Christmas, Miracle on Thirty. Is it yeah, Miracle on Thirty Fourth. Santa's in it. What, what, what's Thirty Fourth Street? Yeah, it's Thirty Fourth Street. Fifth, fifth kind. Yeah. The close Encounters um, of Thirty Fourth. Polar kind. Express, The Grinch. Um, What's the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he's Turbo Man? Jingle, Jingle, Jingle all, the all the Way. That is the best one. That's yeah. a Christmas film as well. A, so you're saying Carol. It's Wonderful Life is not a Christmas film? Well, it definitely... What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> what, are you what are you blathering on about? <laughs> I'm just saying it's a film that happens to be set at Christmas. It's like Die Hard. It's not... If It could yeah. be any time of the year. I mean, that's bullshit though, isn't it? That's absolute... Just arse gravy. What are you... So, a Christmas <laughs> film, set at Christmas, it's about Christmas values and like Christmas spirit yeah, like Christmas Carol if you set that this, in June this is all right all right all right smart ass if you set that in June <laughs> what other than what what difference would have would it be uh, snow they wouldn't snow yeah exactly so the, the film would make no difference if you set it in June July they wouldn't August. end on all lang syne uh, yeah they, but, there wouldn't be quite so many bloody bells yeah if you take Christmas so out of you know jingle all the way what's he doing running around buying a present for his kid just fighting for with other people Easter <laughs> yeah so yeah it's, it is but it is you know it, it's been appropriate it's Christmas because there is Christmas in it let's it did get me thinking <laughs> it did get me thinking though what other films because I couldn't think any more really too many more off the top of my head where it happens to be Christmas during the film you know a bit like last week we were on about there's very few films where a uh, character or a character's being twins isn't part of the plot device oh yeah where what other films are set at Gremlins yes Gremlins is, the, Gremlins are big is that the first one I think the second one's just set in the middle yeah. of the summer isn't it do they get Gremlins for Christmas Mate, it's been like 25 years since I watched it. I mean, they made it so they could sell Gremlins for Christmas, didn't they, that film, you know? Right. So it probably was filmed in August. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Uh, I don't know. There's bound to be some yeah. some others. Oh, but... another Christmas film that I like, Love Actually. That's technically a film that's sort of set at Christmas. But if it wasn't Christmas yeah. in that film, they wouldn't be together. So, yeah, that's a great yeah. area one. It's an interesting... I mean, it's not interesting, the debate about whether something's a Christmas film. It's like when football pundits say, oh, is Harry Kane world-class? Like, is is ex-football world-class? And then at no point in the entire hour-long debate will anybody define what they mean by world-class. They'll just argue over whether Aguero is world-class or Kane is... And, and actually, yeah, nobody's really defining what a Christmas film Can you think of a film to be. that is shown at Christmas that is definitely not a Christmas film? I can think of one off the top of my head. Uh, go on, what's the one in your Lord mind? of the Rings seems to get played a lot at Christmas now. <laughs> and it's oh, not... I see what you mean. The, like one that, yeah, it's just one that goes hand in hand with, I mean, Harry Potter. Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, yeah, Harry Potter. <laughs> these, these are just family friendly films that everybody's off school and work to yeah. watch really, aren't they? There is, there is a bit of Christmas in the Harry Potter films, but. Yeah, oh, it's a sort of, it's a key moment in the, in the first film, I think, where he's enjoying Christmas around at Ron's yeah. or whatever. But yeah, no, I think, uh, 
I think uh, without saying our welcome. Um, <laughs> so we're going to bid you adieu, listeners. Hugh, what are we going to do next week? Um, so for next week, we're going to do a special end of decade episode, Sam. But we're going to keep it a little... Oh, are we the only one doing that, Hugh? I mean, I would assume so, yeah. I mean, who else would think of such an, an amazing concept to uh, tie into unique. a specific time period with their uh, media <laughs> outlay? <laughs> output yeah literally no other else yeah. so we're going to do end of decade what a spectacular yeah again I like spectaculars yeah have you got you know have you bought some party poppers have you got your glasses well, that poppers. say 2020 yeah. on them and <laughs> you, bought, you just bought poppers <laughs> I just got some poppers someone said poppers I got some poppers exciting ha- Give it, get a little buzz for the new year exciting nice exciting night at the Blakely's um <laughs> Well, there you go, anyway, listeners. If you want to we'll move uh, on from uh, <laughs> recreational muscle relaxers, <laughs> then uh, yeah. anyway, so we're going to do a spectacular yeah. about what was it? Recreational what? Uh, drug um, use, yeah. Drug use, yeah, yeah. Which one's better, weed or mushrooms? <laughs> Depends if you want to lose your mind or Mellow just you. enjoy yeah. Seth Rogen films. <laughs> which one was which though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna um, we're not gonna give any away the details now, like we usually do. No, we're gonna it'll be a retrospective. I can tell you that much. Okay, we're gonna give away some of the details now, just to keep. <laughs> but you know, we're... I mean, it's not gonna be uh, forward thinking. Yeah, when... <laughs> maybe it could be. Maybe we should do like a, a retrospective you know, on yeah. the forthcoming decade. Yeah, I really, a, really a, liked Avatar Six. Who would have thought you'd have reined it back in after four, <laughs> fail, five failed films? Yeah, you know, Transformers Ten. Oh, it's his best work. Oh, it was yeah. as good as the first nine. Avengers Six. I mean, could have been better. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to Avengers. Who'd have anyway, thought we'll, yeah, that actor like that. would have come yeah, back and been so popular after what he did? And what? And what a young age to die. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> appropriate. Um, you know, we can... That that, that will happen. <laughs> Just, yeah, let's not lay the uh, finger uh, of I mean, are we going to have, like, an in-requiem section in this next week's pod? Yeah. You know. But it'll just be photos. It'll be like a photo <laughs> slideshow. <laughs> and just the sad music. <laughs> just us coming back and going, yeah, we lost so many talented people this year. <laughs> what a great guy. Uh, yeah, so, anyway. Uh, so, next week's going to be a retrospective on the decade that has been this one. Uh, Hugh, if they wanted to get in touch with us to tell us about their retrospectives on the decade, how could they do it? Um, they could construct sentences correctly. That would be the first and foremost uh, part of Absolutely. it. Without I'm a, a big weird, fan. You know, without a weird timbre in their voice. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, generally. So, what they need to do is... They need to <laughs> every week. <laughs> so what they yeah okay. essentially what they need to do is they need to start up a small uh, like loans for mortgage company. Um, they mm. need to obviously fight off some in the in the nineteen forties yeah forties yeah, right. yeah first invent a time machine then go back to the nineteen okay, forties yeah. then what they need to do same. is set up a loans and mortgage company uh, for a small town in middle America somewhere. Um, then they need to basically have a you know a fight with one of the large industrialists you know. These uh, uh, <laughs> robber baron capitalists, uh, sort of figures like Mr. Potts. Um, then what they need to do is obviously Mr. Potts, yeah, Potter. Potter. Sorry, Mr. Potter, yeah, Mr. Potter, Mr. McDuck, yeah, yeah, Scrooge, yeah, preferably a cartoon character, Scrooge McDuck. Uh, that would be preferable. Um, and then yeah, so then once they've done that, what they then need to do is obviously have a you know a, a, a search for night, you know, a night of the soul. Um, you know, sort of thing. Get saved by an ethereal being called Clarence, preferably. Mm. But if, you know, yeah. 
Um, Gabriel will do as well. Um, yeah, we're not prejudiced. No, you pick your for you know you pick your angel. You know the best way you can. I mean, essentially they pick you. I think it's not something you've got control of. But if you can pick one, <laughs> call Clarence. Um, and then once you've done that, then write a letter about what you know about retrospective to us. Uh, post it to us in the future, um, and then yeah, we'll get it and we'll talk about it. Good. Um, on, if they don't have any of those things, what could they do with an internet connection? Watch pornography. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what else are they going to do? The four, after the fourth time when they're cleaned up <laughs> and they want to get in touch and tell us about their experiences. Um, they can always email us at pleasewatchthis.pod oh, at gmail.com. Uh, Sam, where can they find mm. us on the wide, the world wide web of social media? Uh, most good porn sites. Um, <laughs> what, like you porn, you ch- porn her? You, you I wouldn't know. know. I XXX wouldn't hamster. Know. Again, I'd never. Oh no, X hamster. Porn, porn site. Right, I'm not going to. Por- it's it's not mainly gonna hamster porn. Yeah, so hardcore <laughs> hamster on hamster action. The hamsters have really sewn up that end of the xhamster.com site. Um Anyway, uh, where was I? Twitter, Twitter. We're at Please Watch Pod, and uh, you know we like X X X. X X X. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Hamsters. Yep. Well, cool. It's been fun. Yeah. I'm, Merry I'm Christmas. Glad you, I mean, I'm a bit disappointed you didn't love this film, but I'm glad you liked one of my favourite films. Merry Christmas, and to all, a happy New Year. Yeah. We'll see you Merry. in the future. Ooh. We love you guys. See you next time. Oh, bye. Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. Atta boy, Clarence.